and welcome back to another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Shaphorst, and with me is Vinny Tadaro. Um, so we didn't do an episode last week, so we've still uh, we've, we've got a lot to talk about with the the draft. Um, we weren't able to you know connect last week, but um, I, I was you know I think all my thoughts of the draft have have really not changed from from now until then you know not a lot of new insight in general um but uh but yeah we'll we'll break down our overall impressions of the draft and then get into each individual pick and and what we thought about it uh, but first off we'll, we'll do a uh, as always a trivia question this week Vinny is asking me the question so uh go go ahead Vinny all right. <laughs> now, um, in the – I think you saw the Super Bowl where they played the Steelers. Yeah, with you. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, can you tell – now, the Cowboys, that was a very physical game. Both mm-hmm. teams were very physical. Uh, I think the Steelers took the brunt of it. Um, but um, forget putting aside Steeler injury. Well, oh, no, nah, I can't I, – I'll make it easier. Okay. Um, well, no, nah, that's not fair. That would be two questions in one. Um, what de- what Cowboys defensive lineman got so in? Yeah, but Charles Haley played that game with a bad back and with the flu. So he totally gutted it out, and he still, I think, had two sacks. But there was another defensive lineman who got so injured, he missed a lot of the game, and he had to be carted to the locker room. Who was this defensive lineman? Um, I, I don't know that offhand, so I'm going to have to just throw out defensive linemen. Um my, for some reason, my first guess it would be Russell Maryland. No. Okay. Russ played the whole game. Okay. All right. This this yeah. guy was a second hint. This guy was a did not play on the interior. He was a, okay. a, a kind of a long, lanky defensive end. Tony Tolbert. It really wasn't bad. Good guess. Wrong answer. Okay. Um. This guy never made a name for himself in the league. Okay. He was the most obscure player on their defensive line. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why it's driving you might, me crazy. You might get me on this one. Uh, mm, see, like, what pops in my head is George Andre because it's an obscure, semi-obscure defensive end, but he played in the 60s. That's definitely not right. Definitely uh, not. Uh, either George Andrew or George Selvey. Who's I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you one more hint. All right. Even though he was African American, he had an Irish type name. Um. John Fitzgerald. No. Pat. Yeah. No. I. I give up. Irvin McCormack. Okay. Yep. Yep. Never, never heard of him. 
Pervin McCormack. Yep. Wow, that's a yeah, that's a that's a good one. Played bet. I bet you. You know, he, he even though he didn't make a name for himself, he will. He'll he'll go down as being better than any defensive lineman we put in the shoe strap. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, I don't know. I mean, he I, might have been a free agent. I don't remember, but I just remember yeah. that you know he was you know he was a part he was part of the rotation because they had yeah. lost Jim Jeffco. Yeah. Um. There's there's one defensive lineman we picked that I that I actually like, but. I- no, uh, I know who it is. Yeah, but yeah, let's. I I know you know we talked the day of the draft, and and I'm assuming your feelings haven't changed a whole lot. That this was, I think, at the end of the third round was the last time yeah. we we spoke right. extensively. But right. Um. But yeah, g- give give us your oh, your impressions in general of this this year's drafting. Well, it's exactly as I predicted. Um. Except for the beginning. I mean, I I I was wrong about the first. Round. I really did not believe that both J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan would be gone by the time we picked. Yeah. I was uh, I was fairly certain that one of them would be there, and we would take that guy, and therefore we would not trade down. And I do believe that if one of them had been there, he would have been our pick at number 10, and yeah. there would be no Mike Parsons. That being said, I've done some more homework on Mike Parsons, done some more research on the guy, and I like him. I yeah. like him as a player. Uh, I like. I think it's important that we get a, we got a new middle linebacker. He'd be the captain of the defense, and he's going to be in charge of, I guess, getting the signals and getting the defense properly aligned, which is a lot for a rookie. But I think yeah. he can handle it. He certainly couldn't be any worse than what we had, yeah. whether it be Leighton Vander Esch in the middle or Jalen Smith. This guy is more talented than, than either of them oh, yeah. is now. I don't think he's more talented than Jalen Smith was at Notre Dame, but that talent went out the window with his knee injury, but more importantly with his big contract. Yeah. And I, I think Micah Parsons is a guy who could be a, become a perennial pro bowler and a, a real player for our defense and a definite improvement. He's going to help us with the run up the middle. He's going to help us in coverage too because our linebackers were terrible in coverage. And he's also going to help us rushing the passer. So I like the Micah Parsons pick quite quite a bit. Um, I was kind of, before that, I was kind of, I I liked him, but I didn't like him as much as I do now. And I thought maybe it was a little high for a linebacker, but at that point he was one of the few elite players left who yeah. still fill the need for us right. and I'm glad I, you know I'm very glad that they have admitted that their linebackers are terrible and have to go yeah this is putting Leighton I think they're gone I think unless Micah Parsons and Jabril Cook right the fourth Jabril, rounder Jabril Cox Cox okay I think unless those guys flame out that at, there is no more Leighton Van Der Esch or Jalen Smith on this team. Uh, so I like the first I, I, I figured I would like the first round pick and then I thought that they would blow the rest of the rounds, which is basically what they did. And I said, you know, it's not probably not going to happen again that everything fell, falls into our lap like yeah. it did 
did last year. This year was the opposite. This year we got screwed. Yeah. Right before, uh, you know, almost right before every pick, we could have right. had the best safety in the draft if it wasn't for the goddamn Raiders. Yep. <laughs> we would have been much happier with that guy than with Kelvin Joseph. Yep. And it just you didn't. We didn't have that luck that we had last year, and you know we don't have the brain power to make up for it. Right. So I felt that the draft was a a C minus, and uh, I would give it something lower if it wasn't for Micah Parsons. And I like Micah Parsons, and I like the linebacker from LSU, Cox. Yeah, I thought they were both good picks. I thought Cox was a nice value pick. Yeah, really our only value pick, and. I'm okay with the ginormous defensive tackle that they took yep, in, in the sixth, sixth round. Yep. And I'm okay with the ginormous cornerback who they're going to switch to safety. The one in the sixth round or in the third? Yeah, the sixth round. Yeah, the yeah, sixth yeah. Round Israel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, these guys are too boring for me to even know their, acknowledge their names. <laughs> All right? That's how, that's how unsexy and unimpressive a draft was. Yeah. I'm okay with the big corner. He thought he was going to play corner. They're going to move him to safety. I think he could do something. We're, we're both happy that they got a pure one technique and that monster in the sixth round. Yeah. And who I think could contribute as a rookie. And I'm okay with the wide receiver that they took, who yeah. I think has potential to do something for us. Yeah. And maybe be a number three guy when we lose Gallup. Yep. So those that's that's what kept it from being an F. Yeah. The other picks were horrible. Yeah. Uh, that was the worst draft third that's the worst third round drafting anybody's ever done. When you blow three 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 third round draft picks like that one on a guy who you don't know where the hell he's going to play. He's, he's the definition of a tweener. I don't know how they're going to put him on the middle unless what I've seen has got his size wrong. Because I got him at 6'2", 275. I don't know how he's going to play in the pros at that size. And if he's going to put on size, it's going to take a while. And we don't know what he's going to be able to do at that size. I don't understand that pick. To me, that guy is a right defensive end. In this, uh, I'm sorry, a left defensive end in this league, or maybe I don't even know if he could play defensive end in a three-four. When we go to that, maybe he'll be able to do that. I don't know. I don't see him. I don't see where he where there was a reason to pick him, and he was a real reach. The defensive end, you might as well just forget about him right now, Golston. <laughs> All right, because he's not going to do any. He's not going to do anything this year. He never will do anything, and. He'll just go down as a wasted pick, and the same thing with the cornerback. Yeah. The two, the two offensive linemen, I still haven't been able. To, I, I didn't see any mention of them in my magazines. I, I think you probably have better information going online, more up to date stuff. But Josh Ball in the fourth is a head scratch because the guy yeah. is a complete dirtbag. Right. He's All right. Domestic I don't even know. I, you know, I, I don't even see where he's talented. I, I don't know anything about his talent. I couldn't find anything about him in my my magazines. And then the guy from Nebraska, the guard in the seventh round, right. he seems he he seems without pedigree as well. Mm-hmm. So that you know, I just think that over and you know, 
such reaches. And then Calvin Joseph is another bad character. Yeah. And played in what nine games at Kentucky? Maybe even less. I want to say it was seven, but but you could be right. Coaches basically Single. pushed him out the door after he got thrown out of L. Was it? Didn't he get thrown out at LSU? Or didn't he start at LSU? Yep. Okay. And then I think you told me he was up and down at Kentucky. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now he that's was not, not a guy consistent. that you take. That's that's a that's a fifth rounder. That's a guy you take in the fifth round, not in the second round. I guess he's got good measurables. It seemed like they were really looking. You know, we got a lot of long guys. Yeah. All right. So if these guys have strength in their arms maybe we'll be they'll they'll add to our defense and add to our our tackling ability Mm -hmm. um but you know it seemed like that was the main criteria for picking people was how long their arms were whereas you know i think that's really important in a pass rusher um i don't think it's as important in, in any of the other positions and i certainly don't think it deserves as much attention as it seemed to get yeah uh, I mean, if, if their arms were that important, they would have been better players in college. They would have been more productive. Right. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of been Dan Quinn's thing. His, his, you know, his whole tenure is he likes those long corners. So it's it's not surprising. I, I knew he would not take Asante Samuel, even though I, I think he was a better, you know, prospect than than uh kevin joseph certainly certainly a much higher floor um yes yes but yeah i mean i i agree with you in terms of with with most of what you said i i think the one player i i would disagree with probably the most is osa odigizua the the defensive tackle we took in the third um but yeah just kind of run run through them all micah parsons I, I think Micah Parsons is probably the only guy you could say was a blue chip defensive player in this draft in the sense that he had the production. You know, he didn't play last year, but he dominated the year prior. He has the prototypical build and he has like off the charts athleticism. Like he lit up the combine. So you know the only complaint i can i can say about that pick is that i think we could have traded further back from 10 i think we could have probably gotten the patriots to trade up um you know made made them think that someone wants mac jones uh, who was obviously their inevitable pick um i i don't see why we couldn't have gotten the bears to trade up with us the giants were not going to pick justin fields at 11 they just drafted daniel jones he's progressing um i just think we could have traded further back and i think even though as a as a player in terms of you know how good he is at this position mike parsons like i said he he was the one true blue chipper of the defensive class he, he i think he was a better linebacker than e- even patrick sertan was a cornerback as much as i loved patrick sertan but really? when you yeah I, I would say so because you know sertan has the you know the long speed limitations um i think mike parsons you know if if patrick sertan had caleb farley type of speed then he would have been 
you know, a Mike that would have made him a Micah Parsons cornerback. But I think Patrick Sertan, I would have rather, much rather had Patrick Sertan over Mike Parsons because he plays a more valuable position. Also, you know, there's also the, the some character issues with Parsons. I don't think I don't I don't pay much concern to them, you know, compared to like, you know, our def, our offensive tackle we took, for example, who, you know, beat up his girlfriend like that's way more than many, many times apparently yeah okay yeah i didn't know that but but yeah he, you know parsons in general I, I think that was that was the right pick at 12 but i would have liked to trade down further and then i would have gotten someone like greg newsome because I, I think he could start day one he's got a high floor knowing that we're not going to sign a free agent cornerback, he was really the only other guy besides Sertan and and Horn that I felt good about starting day one. And knowing that, uh, you know, I think 12 would have been a little rich, but a, a further down trade taking on another pick, I would have, I would have preferred that, that overall outcome. But so overall, you know, the, the Parsons pick I'm, I'm fine with. He was the best player available and as a player as a value i think it's an a but the overall situation i'd give it like a b b plus considering we did go parsons the first pick and knowing that we weren't going to take asante samuel jr because of dan quinn and and his his thing with long corners i think we were kind of stuck with with kevin joseph and uh or kelvin joseph and i'll say this about uh, Kelvin Joseph, he he's a boomer bust player. Bottom line, like he's got he's got two of the best games of any cornerback in this draft class, and, and maybe the most impressive single performance was him against Alabama last year, where he locked down Devonte Smith, the, the Heisman Trophy winner. He he had an interception on a you know a, a straight go against Devonte Smith, so his. His high end, and and he's also very athletic. He ran like a four three four. Um, you know, his change of direction set three cone was not as as impressive. But you know, you you combine those two things. I, I don't think it's a terrible reach. It's a little higher than I would have liked us to to take him. But at the end of the day, it was kind of the only option for for drafting a guy that had any chance of being ready to go day one and and i don't i don't think he is he's not a guy that i feel super confident about day one but i think you you know from the upside and his top end potential i think he you know i i would expect him to be a guy that probably has a similar trajectory as trayvon diggs last year where he struggles a lot week you know the first couple weeks and then gets better as the season goes on now that's that's assuming he's totally committed to football and, th- and that's the other can't, question can't mark. Really afford that. right well that's that is true that is true but the other question mark can't afford to, you know to, to to start the season one and three yeah and give it up 40 points a game well we, we do and have all that pressure on Dak Prescott yeah we just can't have it. Now, I saw something the other day. I believe it was a video from the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl. Uh, am I correct that the Falcons were up 
28 to 7 or something close to, to that three. in the third 28 to 28 to 3 in the third quarter. Yep, late in the third quarter. And who was their head coach? Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. And where is he now? <laughs> He's our defensive coordinator. Not no, you coach. must be, you must be wrong. I mean, if they put up 28 points, we brought him to coach our offense. <laughs> nope. You're kidding, right? Nope. He's coaching our defense. He's coaching our defense. That's the that's the savior. Does, does, does Jerry Jones bet against the Dallas Cowboys? Wouldn't surprise me. You know, me. I have a theory that I have a theory that somebody somehow hacked into the Cowboys computers. I don't. I don't. I actually know who it was. I think it was the Washington Redskins hacked the Dallas Cowboys computers and actually made picks for them after the first round. <laughs> I think that was the Redskins who, who who actually did our drafting for us this year. Yeah. That 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 would make sense because I saw the four idiots, the four wise men, at a press conference. The Will McClay, most overrated guy in the NFL. Jerry Jones, biggest clown in all professional sports. Stephen Jones, uh, just a you know the the, bene- the beneficiary, the lucky sperm beneficiary, and um, somebody who I think is supposed to be our coach. Yep. It looks rather allegedly. Yep. And reading their body language, talking about the draft, uh, specifically Josh Ball, the uh, felon that we took in the fourth round of all places, yep. and a guy who I haven't read a single, I, I haven't been able to find any real information about the guy. Uh, he must be a hell of a player if they're willing to take him in the fourth and overlook all his character issues. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything good, much good about him. And they were sitting there, and I'm sorry. And body language, I don't want to pretend it's – obviously, it's a very inexact science. Those people did not seem very confident. Yeah. They seemed like they either didn't want to be there or they were embarrassed by the pick or – they just did not come across with that same kind of confidence that Jerry usually projects. Yeah. And, you know – it was the exact, you kind of alluded to this, it was the exact opposite of last year in the sense that last year everything fell into our laps. This year everything got ripped right from us. Like we could have very easily had a draft that was Patrick Sertan, Trayvon Morig, and Alim McNeil with the first three picks. Right. Like that's, that's a home run. It doesn't even matter yeah. what happens after that. Um, but... You know that's not how it how it went this time. Um, I also think think it was funny that listening to the the mock draft we did in you know 2020 prior to that draft, our, our live mock draft that year turned out to be not nearly as good as the actual draft this year. It was the complete opposite. We got I think we got Patrick Sutan. We got Kelvin Joseph in that mock draft in like the fourth round or some something ridiculous in in comparison but um but yeah no it, it just it didn't didn't fall our way but at the same time i can i could live with the first three picks um considering you know how, how the how the draft board fell and i do think i'll, I'll say this about uh oso adigizua He's undersized, but I think his leverage, he's almost like, 
it reminds me of Brent Urban in a sense, in that Brent Urban, he's 300 pounds flat, but he can play a true nose tackle or a one technique because of his technique and his how he uses his his leverage. And I think Oso Digizua is is like that, but just a little lighter. And the thing I like about him, I, I think his play at UCLA is that of, of a third to fourth rounder. And maybe he was a slight reach if you're just going off his play, but I do think there's something to be said about the the Senior Bowl. And he he dominated at the Senior Bowl. And he played at the Senior Bowl a lot of one-tech. So, which I don't think, obviously, that's not going to be his, his position in the NFL. Um, I, I could see him playing one technique maybe in passing downs, but... I think he can play three tech in in running downs and be be effective. And and I know his his weight makes it seem like he's going to get pushed around, but um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on him just because of his weight. Um, but then so so you know the first three picks I'd get I would have given the draft you know like a B at that point. Then we draft you know Golston which I, I really didn't like initially. Um, I think the best thing you can say about that pick is that he's he should be the end of Dorrance Armstrong. If he's worth anything, he should because he's kind of the same player. He's supposed to be a good run defender. That's allegedly what Dorrance Armstrong does well. And oh yeah. But but then but my thing with even with that is now, now didn't we're we both bring saying, it? Let's be clear here what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. We both- think Dorrance Armstrong sucks. Right. Yes. Yes. Should clarify that. Yeah. Dorrance Armstrong sucks. Shouldn't be on the team. Shouldn't have been getting snaps last year. Um, you know, we had, when we had, uh, uh, blank Bradley and I, Bradley and I, um, who, who did well in the very limited snaps we gave him, but, but no, Dorrance Armstrong shouldn't be on the roster. So even if, even if he just replaces Dorrance Armstrong's snaps, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't feel great about this guy. There, there were some people, I will say this, there were some people that liked him. Uh, Dane Brugler, I think, had him in like the fourth round. PFF and the consensus, the athletic consensus board had him as like a sixth rounder. And that was my initial yeah. thing yeah. was this is a way, this is yeah. way too high for this guy. But at least... Dane Brugler had him close in the fourth well, round. The, the next uh, guy, though, th- this is the this is the one that like melted my mind. And and I think we were on the phone when this was drafted. And and I and you get the you get the draft picks both this year and last year. You'd get them like a couple seconds before me. And I just hear you go, "Who?" And it's uh, Nashawn Wright, who the athlete and. I get you don't want to put all your faith in one individual draft pundit. Every, every draft pundit is is not perfect. Every draft pundit has some horrible misses. But if you take all the major draft pundits and average out their opinions, you should get a pretty good consensus of what 
people people think about every player in the NFL draft. And that's precisely what the athletic consensus board does. The athletic consensus board had 300 players and Nishan Wright was not there. He did not make the cut for a consensus 300 pick. And apparently, you know, Dan Quinn had this guy as a third or fourth round graded player. He's tall and, you know, he, he caught some interceptions. That's fine, but the fact that you you still don't take that, that into account, the fact that no one else probably thinks this guy is worth a shit, and you draft him in the third round when you've got guys like Elijah Molden and, uh, what's his name, Melifonwu, the younger Melifonwu yeah. on the board, who are starter quality players. Like, I don't think there's a big difference between Melifonwu and Kelvin Joseph. Uh, you know, and Elijah Molden, I think, has a much higher floor than either of them. So even if you and even if you don't like Elijah Molden, he's a shorter guy. I get it. That's the Dan Quinn thing. Draft freaking Melifonwu. You can still get this guy, Nashawn Wright, in the sixth round. Even in the sixth right. round, he's a he's a bit of a reach, but at least it's not ridiculous like that. Right. I, I you know. At the time, and I still stand by this, I think that's the biggest reach I've seen in Cowboys history in, in my time watching the draft. Um, that one was was horrible. And and it made it made frankly, it made the Golston pick seem less less bad. At the time, you know, initially I was like, this this is a huge reach, and then we doubled down. Now, that was followed by Jabril Cox, which I think that was the best pick of the draft. That was certainly the best value. And, and I, what I've seen some people try to do, you know, these overly optimistic Cowboys, you know, beat writers is, well, just think about as if Jabril Cox was the 75th pick and everyone else was around further and frankly, I, I would say Jabril Cox was probably more worthy of the 44th pick. I, I would say you put Jabril Cox at 44, bump Kelvin Joseph to 75, and, and so on and so forth, and, and I would feel better about that. But that, that still doesn't make me feel any better about this colossal overdraft. I mean, it, it the whole point of trading down to accumulate picks, it only works if you draft guys that make some semblance of sense at the at that draft slot. And and Nishan Wright did not. Um yeah, and you know, like you said, ball, I think that was that was a reach and I, again, similar I feel similar to that as the Golston one. It's not a a colossal an epic colossal failure as much as the right pick but because you know i think maybe daniel jeremiah had had good things to say about this guy like you know some people like him but i i think you could have gotten him later and you know the, the off field he, he doesn't have these like screaming you know these screaming amazing traits or, or track record to outweigh the 
the negatives or in in any way like that one yeah that that was that was the only other really bad one um but then i did like the receivers uh simi something with an f I, i don't know his last name that was a good pick i like the safety and and you know, I, I like the Tommy Bahama. Um, I know Tim really likes that guy. Um, but as as expected, it's the fact that we waited to the sixth round to draft a, a true one tech. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. We, we didn't value the position. I, I'm curious to know if Alim McNeil was there at 75, if we would have even if we would have even picked him. Um, I mean, that, that would have been, I I'm thinking about like the scenarios where, you know, if Patrick Sertan and Micah Parsons were on the board and we'd gone Parsons, I think I would have been very upset by that. And then even more so if we would have gone Osa Odigizua over Olim McNeil, even though I do like Osa Odigizua, you know, to some extent, I, you know, Olympic McNeil was my, was my guy. And, and again, I think one tech is a bigger need than, than three tech, but based on the, uh, the draft positioning, I, I think we still don't really give a shit about one technique. Um, I like, we could have still gotten, I want to say Bobby Brown was, was on the board let me see where he was drafted, but I think we could have gotten him late in the f- fourth, or maybe not the fourth, but um, maybe maybe in the fourth, definitely in the third. I, I forget where he where he ended up going, but you know he's a true one technique. Yeah, he goes. He went to the to the Rams, so we could have gotten him at uh, well. We could have gotten him over Jabril Cox, or if we'd been smart, we could have gotten him at 99 over, uh, you know, Nashawn Wright, and that would have been a a far better pick, I think. But, you know, we weighed to the sixth round, and I, I guess that's be- that's an improvement over, you know, going with another Antoine Woods or another Nick Hayden to be our, our starting one tech, but still which which that's that's a news story worth worth touching on we we released Antoine Woods um which is you know news I, I don't know I don't doesn't you know thrill me or if anything that makes me think that we feel pretty highly about this guy Bahana that we got in the sixth round which I think it's too early to really be that excited about this guy. You haven't even seen him in training camp, but you know, I'm also not a huge Antoine Woods fan either. So I, I, that's just a, a meh to me, not, you know, just doesn't really register positive or negative, but, um, but yeah, overall I, I would give the, the draft, yeah, C plus B minus overall. Um, I think really that that one Nishan Wright pick. If if we had gone with you know Elijah Molden, I think that that alone would have catapulted it in my mind to like a probably a B plus. 
but as it is, I would say this is probably one of the more disappointing drafts, you know, in, immediately afterward. Um, the only other ones I, I can think of where I was at, where I was, you know, lower were the ones where we, we didn't have first round picks. The, the one that I went to 2009 and then, you know, the Tristan Hill draft, you know, two do, years do ago. Do you think? Do you think that the? Um, so the way I view it is that uh, Micah Parsons and Cox will replace Leighton Vanderesh, who, as we know, his fifth-year option was not picked up. Yes. Uh, yep. His future in the league is very cloudy. Uh, Jalen Smith is not going to be a Dallas Cowboy next year, uh, in all likelihood, uh, unless he decides to turn it on again. But um, I think we have two new linebackers. Yep. Which is which I think that's good. I think yep. that they did a good job addressing linebacker. I think that's all they did a good job really addressing. They still have some other needs. I'm not gonna get into that. Um, that's another show. Yeah. But I think that the the linebackers will help us this year. I think yeah. they'll help us a good deal, both of those guys. Uh, I, they're really gonna cut into the playing time of the people we have. Uh, Keanu Neal, I'm in I'm, I'm in intrigued to see how they use that guy yeah. um i do think we well i don't want to get into that because that's a free agency issue but uh i think that the the big defensive tackle bahana is that his name yeah uh, i think he can contribute this year yeah. uh he's a monster of a man he's not going to make a lot of plays for you he's not going to run around uh, offensive lineman but he's a big big body and he can bull rush and he can play the run and he can take up double teams. And I think he gives us something that we haven't had in eons. And that is a true uh, mass monster uh, at the defensive tackle position. Yeah. And I am intri- I, I think I'm intrigued at least by moving that the big corner to safety. Yeah. I think he could help us out there. We definitely need safety help because we can't count on Dominic Kazee to be anything because he was awful last year. And yeah. uh, we need depth there anyway. I think they're going to move Reggie Robinson there. I don't yeah. think Reggie Robinson can play cornerback in this league. I think they're going to try to save his career by moving him to safety. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he can play there either. I think it was a horrible, idiotic pick. Yeah. And the I, I like the you know I thought. I, I'm I'm at least intrigued and I'm okay with the pick of uh, the wide receiver Kiko, whatever his name is. Yeah. Okay. Um, really nice measurables on the guy. Simi really good measurables. Yeah. Yeah, I think he and gives us something that we don't have, which is a real right. big receiver. Yep. And there weren't a lot of of tall receivers in this draft, and and he's not. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's like a complete project. Obviously, you know, he's available in the fifth round for a reason, but um, I I think this is the ideal situation for him in that he can learn behind, you know, probably the best trio of receivers in the league, doesn't really have to do anything this year, but, you know, we'll probably play him on special teams, but... But yeah, you know, once Michael Gallup inevitably leaves, or or Amari Cooper, there there is the possibility. But there's, oh, don't say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no chance. Put it this way: there's no, almost no chance that 
the three top receivers we have will be with us in 2022 and on. They won't. Yeah, but he yeah he he offers I think a lot more upside than Cedric Wilson, who's our. He's like a much better Noah Brown. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. In that he's got all that size, but Noah Brown just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Doesn't know how to, you know he doesn't doesn't seem to he seems he's like a big body. I guess he's pretty good on special teams and he's pretty good at blocking, he's good but blocker, he's yeah. not he's not a receiver. He's mm-hmm. kind of a he's kind of a guy without a position. Yeah. Really. And I I think Kiko is this is the same got the same size and strength, but offers has a much higher ceiling as a wide receiver. Yeah. Someone who could actually produce for us and maybe at least replace Cedric Wilson, who yeah. I think will be unrestricted next year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the... Yeah, but I like that big... I like the fact that they diversified at wide receiver. They've got a nice, nice, diverse group of wideouts now. And they've got, you know, a couple big guys. Noah Brown can't really do anything, but, you know, he'll block for you a little bit at least. they got this guy, Kiko, who's intriguing. And uh, they've got Cedric Wilson, who flashed at least last year. I mean, I hope mm-hmm. he, he's really got to do a little bit this year. I don't want to see anybody get injured, but he's got to do something. And, uh, you know, then you've got the big three, yeah. but, you know. And I think they're going to be better with um, – uh, at least a little bit better with Dak back and with if this offensive line can stay intact. I think Lyle Collins is going to be okay. Uh, I don't know about Tyron Smith, but I'm getting off the subject. Yeah. This, you know, that's my feelings as far as the rookies. I think we can get contributions out of the linebackers immediately, and yeah. I, th- I think there's a possibility we'll get some contribution out of the defensive tackle and um, the safety and the um, – the wide receiver, but I don't expect much from out of the outside of the linebackers. I don't expect much. Yeah, sure. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty much a, a Micah Parsons deal at this point. Um, and uh, I just I was disgusted watching the draft, watching the the lack of concern for value for picking guys where they should have gone. It was told, it was very much a needs driven draft. Yeah, and we've seen that be a disaster. Right. It was a disaster for them. You know, I remember it, it, right after, during, and after the Super Bowl years when they were just reaching and reaching for defensive ends. My God, it seemed like it never freaking stopped. Yeah, Sean Carver, Kavika Pittman, Evan Nizer Ekubon, and they finally got one with Greg Ellis, who was like thirtieth. You know, their 30th try, they finally got somebody who was a very good defensive end. Mm-hmm. But the picks that they wasted. Yeah. And he was like the eighth overall pick. Like, you'd, yeah. you'd expect them to be able to yeah. at least have a contributing player at that pick. But, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I like I said, I think Kelvin Joseph will... I think he'll play, <laughs> whether he'll play well or not. I think he'll be the starter. Um, if oh. he if he's a total disaster, maybe Anthony Brown takes over. Oh, <laughs> but oh, I have visions of last year teams just walking up and down the field as if they were playing against Girl Scouts. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think Girl Scout defense. Yeah. I, I I'll say this about you know 
the the kind of uh, seesaw with I think both Micah Parsons and Kelvin Joseph and Kelvin Joseph is uh, I, I was gonna say I think both of those guys do for the off-field issues they also do give you like a, an edge and and the and a lot of the things people would say about JC Horn I think you can say about Kelvin Joseph he's also a guy that plays with kind of a you know he's got that dog in him he, he plays with a mentality that he's not gonna you know he might get ejected like he's not gonna it, it's it's not always gonna work work well for you but he's not gonna like get his ass kicked and just like no. roll over and and take it and I, I think I, same with Parsons I, I think that's a good a very good point that you make yeah. as far as the fieriness yeah. and the moxie of these guys um, I don't know a lot about Parsons I know about Joseph yeah and I we really need that because yeah. as I've been saying for a long time now, we seem like a very dead on its heels type team that yeah. desperately needs emotional, fiery leadership. Yeah. And it's hard for a rookie to provide that, but if if they can do it to some degree, great. And as they grow and get older, if they can do it some more, especially for somebody like Micah Parsons, who's the... I think will be sort of the centerpiece of this defense. Yeah. I think they're going to move him around. But, but you know, if he can provide intelligence and fieriness, then that is going to be worth almost as much as his actual ability. Because, yeah. like I said, this has just been a dead team. They, 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 they've, the effort hasn't always been there, and they, they look like they are on their heels not in the right places not you know just not not with any kind of um not playing with the emotional vigor that they need to need to play with yeah Uh, very just a very dull very dull team and so if we've got some guys who can provide us with some uh, uh, some adrenaline yeah a jalen ramsey type adrenaline marion Barber, you know, he was a very soft-spoken guy, but his play was inspiring. Right. You know, it, we, that that's what we that's what we could really use. If Micah Parsons or you know that big that big corner, I'm hoping he can be a guy who can either knock the crap out of people or pick some balls off. Right. That, that's what he's. I mean, I, I'll say this. You know, I, I didn't see a single draft pundit high on. Nation right like a lot of them were it was revisionist stuff like once we made the pick well I didn't like him but let me find some stuff to right. to say about him but you know the the that said the positives about him are that he you know obviously he's got a good height speed athleticism combo he's like six four run, runs a four four seven he's new to the position. And he got a lot of interceptions last year, which kind of similar stuff to the Reggie Robinson pick last year, which I also hated, even though compared to this one, I, I don't think it was nearly as bad of a reach. But but no, I mean, I think he's got some, he's got a, a nimbleness to him. He's not, you know, 
he's not totally clunky, but he's just super raw and just a total projection. Like, I don't think, I, I do believe, like, if he's anywhere near the ball, he can catch it. Like, I, he is a former receiver. I don't know if you saw the, the quote where he said, um, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm kind of like Richard Sherman, but a little faster. Uh, which, yeah, I did. Yeah, which, which you know, I, on one level, I kind of like the confidence, but the but it's like, do you really think Richard Sherman is Richard Sherman because he ran a four-five-four? Is that your big? He's a tall guy that runs a four-five. Like, if that was the case, there there would be a lot of Richard Shermans. Like, he's he's the guy he is because he is a master of route concepts and and he's a film guru like that that should be what you're trying to emulate not you know beat him by half a second in the 40 so i don't know i i might be reading into that more than i should but but yeah no that guy you know his upside is if he can you know be at least semi-competent in sticking on receivers and and can you know get some some decent technique and, and learn the position I think he can get interceptions because of his background as a receiver but I I look at him as you know half a step above Rico gathers like just a total projection at the position um, and, and I don't I mean I, I don't know enough about his his you know mentality and his makeup to to say whether he he would be another guy who brings a you know feistiness or dog mentality but but I, I definitely think you know Micah Parsons and and Kevin Joseph will um I, I feel better about Micah Parsons channeling it in a you know always productive way like a you know hopefully at like a Ray Lewis, whereas Kelvin Joseph, I could see it being kind of like a Des Bryant where sometimes it's coming off as just, a, you know, just being pissed off and, and yelling at everyone and other times, you know, caught, you know, just talking shit to another team's receiver kind of deal, which, which I think that, that mentality we could use if he's channeling it the right way. Um, it definitely makes that a better pick in my mind, but, but you also have to ask with Kelvin Joseph, he's, you know, he's, he's got a prolific rap career and, you know, is this, is this his, you know, main focus or is it just like, yeah, I'm making money off this football thing to, you know, fund my rap career kind of deal. I, I think you, that that's the biggest difference to me between him and and J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn has the pedigree, son of an NFL player, doesn't have you know these off-field concerns. As as players, I don't think they're really different at all. And, and in fact, I'd say Kelvin Joseph's high-end tape is more impressive than J.C. Horn's because it it came against Devontae Smith, who by the way ate J.C. Horn's lunch in 2019. J.C. Horn's best tape was against Seth Williams, who's, I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he got drafted, but he, you know, he was a, a receiver that was projected to go like in the fourth round. 
Um, but he wasn't, you know, okay, the Broncos drafted him in the sixth round. Yeah. So you're talking about a top 10 pick versus a sixth round pick as as far as the, the high-end uh, tape. So ultimately, I, I think Kelvin Joseph is, is, I think, the pick that could turn this draft into a into an A or could totally tank this draft. I, I think you're right. The linebackers are the surest thing. I feel pretty good that um, I, I feel pretty good in Osa Odigizua being at least a contributor. I don't, I don't know if I consider him like a kind a pretty high floor but low ceiling kind of guy. I think he'll be a yeah. contributor. But I, I doubt he's ever going to be like a superstar. Um, you know, Simi, uh, the, the receiver, I think he could develop into a third, a decent third receiver. Um, but but yeah, I, I don't I don't see anyone else turning into a, a great player. So I think Kelvin Joseph is, you know, he could be a star or he could burn out <laughs> in, in a year or two. Um, I think that's ultimately gonna, gonna be the, the biggest factor in, in, when we look back at this draft, do we consider it a success or a, or a failure? Well, see, now I'm looking at what, something here, a review of Bohana, and, uh, it says he's actually surprisingly quick off the ball for a son. Eyes, flashing the ability to zip through gaps when centers pull and leave guards to make tough down blocks. So maybe he's got a little bit more to his game than just brute force and size. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't. That was one of the picks that I wasn't down on. I yeah. I thought that was a okay pick, and I thought, oh, that's it's intriguing that they're taking somebody that's you know he's like twice the size of the rest of our defensive linemen. Right. Yeah. No, he's yeah, he's, he's not a. No him on the field. Yeah, he's not a complete plotter. He's got, you know, he's got quickness for his his size, um, but I, I I also don't think he's quite as polished as a as a true one tech as a true you know run stuffer as say like a Tyler uh, Tyler Shelvin, the guy from LSU. Um, can he keep center? Can he keep O line and off our linebackers? Can he keep our linebackers clean? Because we both know better than anyone we've got. Jalen Smith. What? <laughs> better than anyone we've got right uh, now. I, I think good. is the answer. Uh, because but we know that Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are simply run and hit guys. They can't take on blocks. They have they're all finesse. Right. Uh, that's why I like Parsons and Cox is because they are not all finesse. They can get off yeah. blocks. Yeah. And you you need to do it, well, do that in this league unless you're playing with a uh, a super, you know a really really talented uh, run uh, run stopping defensive line. Yeah, well I I'll say this about Cox I I don't think he's as much of a take on blocker certainly as Parsons Parsons might be the best in the in the draft one of the best you know period of any guy coming out in a while but. I, I think part or uh, I think Cox, his real asset is his coverage ability. Um, I, I I think he I would think he'll be a little better 
at taking on blocks than than Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. Not that that's really saying anything, but his, his real value is he's probably the after the the guy from Notre Dame, JOK. He's probably the second best coverage linebacker in the in the entire draft, and um, you know in in today's NFL, I think that's that's supremely valuable. And and the one thing I'll say about Mike Parsons is his the only complaint I can have or, or slight complaint I can have about him as a player is. Probably the two most valuable traits he can he could possess are things that he's untested at, and and those are his his coverage. He's proven himself to some extent in, in zone coverage, but not really in man. He wasn't asked to play man coverage very often, and while he's proven himself as a blitzer, he's never really been a, a true edge rusher, which it sounds like we plan on using him sometimes as as the leo um where uh dan quinn used bruce irvin the the same role they used bruce irvin in seattle and he's never really been asked to do that so that's the the high end is that he because he certainly has the athleticism to do both of those things at least well and um you know the high end is he's just this movable chess piece that kind of dominates everywhere he yeah. goes and if he can dominate at those really high you know very really valuable things rushing the passer and covering then it's then you're talking about you know one of the best steals of the draft his floor is he's just a dominant run defender and an, and an okay coverage guy which is still you know, a pretty good floor, but better than what we got. Right. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Much better than what we've got. It, his floor is certainly, uh, but, but yeah, his, his, his ceiling is, I think a really unique player and, and a guy that could really elevate our defense in a number of ways. So yeah. Um, I think that's, that's really all I've got. All I've got to say about this draft. I think that covers all my uh, all my reactions. I, I don't have much to say about the uh, the guard we got in the seventh round. Um, probably doesn't doesn't make the team. What is Josh Ball? What am I missing about Josh Ball? What is so great about this guy? I mean, he's. <laughs> He's long. He's he's got. Let me. It's gonna. I'm gonna have to scroll a while. But but um. No. Because really, all of these picks that that I was trashing on, Tim was trying to defend. Uh, okay, this this is it. With Josh Ball, it was um, okay. So Daniel Jeremiah liked the nastiness and finishing on tape, and he and he views him as a potentially a potential starting left tackle in the NFL. Wow. 
that's one one scout's take. In seven games, Josh Ball allowed one pressure. That that doesn't matter to me. Like, what's what's the context? You, you could have been in a that by itself means next to nothing. Um, yeah. So at least one one beat writer like and, and like I said, you know. Was Josh, I think Josh Ball and Goldston were, were certainly reaches, but at least some draft pundits liked them. But was Ball no. reach because of his off-field issues or because of his ta- lack of talent? Or both? Um, I think both. I, I mean, here's, here's my thing is, you know, there's certain I've said this before. There's certain positions where I don't value, or, or where I know that the the PFF grading system matters less, and then there's some positions where it matters more. And I think offensive line and defensive line, it matters more. And they they had him as the uh, the, the 294th player on their board. Um, and, and he actually had an okay grade, but, you know, he, he played at Marshall. So, and the, the nastiness thing, that, that's the thing that the, the analytics versus the, the, you know, offensive linemen community have, have stark differences in opinions. And, and I think that's what, what the thing was with Lyle Collins for all these years. A lot of Cowboys fans thought he was always good and he really wasn't he was he was okay he was never terrible but he was never that good until 2019 he took a you know significant uptick that year and but the reason people thought he was always good is because he had these finishing blocks he had these pancake blocks that you know Larry Allen was the prime example and, and Larry Allen was a was a rare example of a guy in, in in today's NFL, someone like Quentin Nelson, I think is a is the closest, um, where he not only pancaked guys and, and destroyed guys, but he also was just a good player down down after down. A lot of these guys, and I think Josh Ball might be one, they'll show some good pancake blocks and nice highlight blocks, but on a down to down basis which is much more valuable as an o-lineman you you basically your job is right. to not fuck up like it doesn't matter right. how badly you beat some guy on one play if you get you know if you get whooped the next play and you know a lot of a lot of people overvalue that you know nastiness or you know wanting to you know shove a guy into the ground and and jump all over you know and pile drive him i mean yeah does he open up running lanes and does he keep the rush rushes away from his quarterback those are the questions and i don't know i i mean I he's mean, got the build that's about, probably the yeah. best thing i can see of him is he's he's got the build um and he, play, he played at a small college so i i think that's the the question mark it's it's a it's a projection, but um, he does have that NFL body, and I think that's that's got to be a big part of why Daniel to Jeremiah take, sees him as a left tackle. To take a guy in the fourth round 
with his sort of character issues, he had to have first or at least second round talent. Yeah. And no I never way. heard anybody say Josh Ball had that. No. No way. I think... I feel like even Daniel Jeremiah, his biggest his biggest fan, would have maybe take it, consider him a third-round talent at best. I mean, he's, he's coming from Marshall, like... Yeah, no, definitely not not that level of of talent. Um, but yeah, you know, said that one. That one not a. Uh... Did the Cowboys know what round it was when they were selecting? <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> at least with the. I, I mean, I, I'm. I am curious, like, who's the one banging the table for Josh Ball? Is it, like, our, our offensive line coach or, you know, Will McClay? Redskins. I, I, it was the Redskins. Yeah, that, that would make more sense. Um, but, like, Nish, the, the, with Wright, like, I I get that. That's a Dan Quinn pick in my, in my mind because it's – it's a tall cornerback. You you did yeah. it with Richard Sherman. You could do it again. But it's like it, you know, just because again, just because you had a third or fourth round grade on this guy, like either you've done no research to think that, that you know, and I mean, I I've, I asked this to to one of the Cowboys beat writers, uh, Brad Sturm. Like, is there any was there any indication that NFL teams thought more highly of, of this guy than than every draft pundit did? And he basically ignored the question and, and just said that Dan Quinn had a third or fourth round grade on him. So to me, that's Dan just a Quinn is scouting now. I guess. I mean. It, it wouldn't surprise me. Meltdowns, God, <laughs> who, who presided over one of the worst defenses in history. Yeah. The guy who made a name for himself off all the talent they had in Seattle. Opportunist himself. Yep, that guy. I think the guy's. I think the guy sucks. <laughs> I think he was a shitty uh, head coach. It was he had responsibility for his defenses and he was shit. And he got lucky that he got associated with Seattle. That's all. Don't expect yeah. anything out of this defense. Don't expect anything out of Dan Quinn. I'm yeah. tired of hearing his name. Well, I, I mean, I will say, I think that 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 pick in particular, the right pick, showed just extreme arrogance to to think that you know more than basically everyone, and you're gonna put this huge. And, and I don't know. I don't know for sure that he was the only one making that pick, but it, it seems like his kind of player. It seems like the one where, you know, where that's mainly him influencing that decision. And did he select Richard Sherman or Brandon Browner or Cam Chancellor or Earl Thomas, or did he was just there yeah. happen to be there for as a coach? Well, I mean, I, I don't think. Really, the only well, let me look up. Yeah, I, I think he was just there as the coach because I want to say there was an uh, 
something Bradley, D Dan Bradley maybe, or there, there was a defensive coordinator before him, and I don't think he was, yeah, he, he went to, he was with Seattle, he went to Florida, so they, they first started really progressing before he came back um, under right. this guy Bradley, who I think me, went to let the me, Jaguars. Let me, let me give the Dallas Cowboys some advice. Okay, there are two myths out there that are being propagated by the media, and I and I think the Dallas Cowboys believe them. One is that you can recreate in football what happened in yesteryear. You can't. Okay, yeah. if he coached the Legion of Boom, all right, he's not going to create a second Legion of Boom. It's it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. Yeah. All right. Number two, if there's no one philosophy out there that can give you a quality football team. You can't say, well, I like my secondary guys to be tall and have long arms. We tried that with Chris Richard. Yeah. You know what you need in the secondary? You need guys who can play damn football. Yeah. I don't care. Look, Aaron Glenn and Daryl Green were two of the best corners to ever play this game. But Daryl yeah. Green's in the Hall of Fame. Okay? Daryl Green Antoine is a good three inches shorter than I am. Yeah. Okay? That's what you need. You need guys who went to college, who play, played their hearts out, who stayed out of trouble, who stayed healthy, and who were productive. That's what you need. You don't need guys who, when they stick their arm out, you say, wow, he's really long. Okay, you know what that's good for? That's good for paying tolls here in New Jersey, where we have tolls, and you have to stick your hand out the window to drop the money into the toll basket. Okay, yeah. that's what arm length is good for for most players. I think with defensive pass rushers, I think it's probably more valuable. All right, but I think that in general, it's it, it just it just seems I I don't understand this whole thing where people fixate so much on. You know these qualities, rather than just saying, "I want a guy who really played well in college." Right. Yeah, and and I think we're gonna, at least I'm gonna, just like we look at the career trajectory of you know Juan Thornhale and Taylor Rapp and Chauncey Gardner Johnson compared to Tristan Hill. This year, I'm gonna be looking at Asante Samuel Jr. compared to Kelvin Joseph and. Elijah Molden and uh, Ifetu Melifonwu compared to uh, Nation Wright. Like, that's the... What did you say about Tristan? When, when, when Tristan Hill was picked, yeah. what did you say? Didn't you say the guy never did much in college? Yeah. Tristan Hill, I, I like Osa Odizuga way better than Tristan Hill as a prospect. Tristan Hill went to a, a mediocre college, UCF, so not like he's playing Alabama and LSU, and he still didn't produce. And, you know, that, that alone disqualifies you, in my mind, from the second round. Like, yeah. you're, you're ba dra yeah. drafting the guy based solely on measurables and an upside. And, sure, take a shot. You know, it's... I, I was, I was going to say... You know, maybe that was worse than Nashawn Wright, but I, I don't think so. He 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 showed a little more in college than than Wright, and 
but yeah, you know, it's it's in that vein. I I think is you're drafting him for what he what he could be, and he was a guy that was I think a a third or fourth round. I I would I could have lived with him in the third round, but fourth was really I think where where he should have been drafted. And we took him in the second. So yeah, I, I mean the you know to your to your point, and and you're right. In terms of and this is you know Mike McCarthy as as we brought him in saying all the right things in the world like you know uh, you know I'm I'm into the analytics and you know we're here to draft good players and and you know if the scheme is prohibitive then it's probably the wrong scheme and and right. you know it's all and, and bullshit just the opposite right right and you know Asante Samuel and Junior and, and Elijah Molden are are not tall corners, but both of them were so much more productive than uh, you know, and, and so much more consistent. I think that's the bigger thing compared to Kelvin Joseph, and and certainly compared to Nation Wright. Um, but their own their own actions contradicted because the, I think the. The free agent of their own that they spent the most money on, it was a small corner named Jordan Lewis. It's true. That, that is true. Yeah, it does. I don't get it. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. It, it, almost, it. You know, it could be a camouflage, okay, to, to excuse the fact that they picked guys who nobody else thought highly of, who were re- just by just about everybody else's opinion, and they want to try to make it seem like they had a a, 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 me, a strong methodology, yeah. and they wanted to overlook mm-hmm. the 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 actual players by saying, "Well, they're really long, and they that fits our scheme, that fits our philosophy." As if fo- that kind of philosophy wins football games, which it doesn't. Yeah. You know how you win a football game? You score more points than the other team. Yeah. You know how you score more points than the other team? You have better players and better coaches than the other team. That's a Simple as it gets. I, that's the, it, at its heart, football is a very simple game. Yeah. 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 We'll have I mean, you could sit there. You could sit there with the Dane, the Dane Bruglers and the Mel Kuypers of the world, the Will McClays, and you could talk about these things. But at the end of the day, the guys who are best at playing football are the ones who are going to succeed, not the guys who posted the best forty times. Or the guys who had the best day at the combine. I remember a guy, Mike Mamula, who the Ooh. Eagles met, okay, who was yeah. a workout warrior par excellence. Okay, never did a goddamn thing in the pros. Yeah. And I remember when he was drafted, that Ray Rhodes was the coach of the Eagles, <laughs> and he said to him, "They got a guy there in Dallas named Eric Williams who's eating people up and spitting them out. What are you going to do?" And Mamula said, "I'm going to kick his ass." Mamula couldn't kick a five-year-old's ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's what that's that's the danger you run into when you go for measurables over yeah. production. And it's one thing if you quality have production against quality, right? And, and it's one thing if you have a track record where it's up and to the right, and then on top of that, you get a, a good, you know, you have some good, you know, measurables. That I'm 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 okay with projecting a little bit, but with like Tristan Hill, for example, 
he was on a downward playing trajectory. He, he barely started his, his last year. You know, you combine that, you know, that's a that that alone makes you unless your 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 level of play the year prior was like a ridiculously high level and you regressed a little bit that's that immediately puts you in the third or fourth round by itself um and and i want to say going to your uh example with mike what was last name mamula m-a-m-u-l-a I want to say I, I read a book, um, I forget which book it was, um, but there was there was a book I read where they talked about the how certain guys kind of picked up on on tricks and and ways to kind of game the the scouting combine before anyone else. Like I, I think now. This is probably common knowledge, and, and that's why you take all these numbers with a grain of salt, because they're all kind of inflated. But at the time, I, I want to say he was one of the first to to get, you know, these little tricks where, like, for the—I the, forget all of them, but I know for the the vertical leap, you, like, pull your— your shoulder blades together so that your arms don't reach as high when you do the the low end thing so it makes your your it adds like three inches to your vertical leap but he did that for every single times are bogus yeah i remember reading about that a long time ago the 40 times are bogus those guys aren't that fast um the bench presses are bogus they're not doing bench they're doing um they're doing bench presses in a way that makes them easier yeah 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 yeah. and um so you know you got to take those numbers with a, a a grain of salt yeah, and I don't actually I don't worry too much about the bench press because anybody can improve their bench press. Right. Um, so the the best and, and the bench press doesn't actually like reflect any part of functional strength in in the NFL. Like you're never gonna well, do that motion. I mean, offensive linemen kind of, but e- but even then, yeah. like you're it's more much more about your technique than your strength at doing this. But the the best defense I've I've heard for the combine in general and specifically the, the bench press is that it's it, first of all everyone is measured the same way you know it's all it's an even playing field in that sense that it's the same drills um, and then also you know it, it shows your kind of your level of of dedication like if you're kind of slacking off and you put up a really embarrassing bench press number you know that that shows kind of a, a less lesser level of dedication um and i think i think having like a really awful combine tie i think there's some positions and some players where the combine matters less than than others like I think it was, I think it was the guy that the Ravens just traded for, uh, Orlando Brown, offensive tackle from Oklahoma, I believe, and he he had a horrible uh, combine pro day. I remember he had like 15 bench reps and ran like a five seven or something like that, and he's turned out to be a great pro. But that dropped him a few rounds. Um, that's a position where I don't think it really 
matters much at all. But um, but yeah, I, I think in general it shows kind of your your work work ethic a little bit. But but yeah, it yeah. it shouldn't be something that you take you know you you know something that you make that makes a guy or right. or at certain positions it shouldn't really shouldn't really matter much at all you got to know how to use the strength that you have in, in, yeah. in a football capacity too right right it's yeah. not a weight not group strength yeah exactly yeah um there, uh, were there any uh, undrafted free agents that uh, impressed you not I, I haven't looked at them too too much in depth. I know there was a another receiver we got who was I want to say similarly similar kind of measurables uh, to to Simi Fahoku, um, where you know just a yeah, tall we got a dude. lot of difficult names now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's the best part of Kelvin Joseph, an easy one. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the tall receiver guy. I, I don't know his name, but um, I, I can't even say I've I've looked into him much. But I, you know, I've seen people talking about him. Um, but yeah, I'll I I don't I don't see anyone that stands out like a Ron Leary or Lyle Collins. But um, but I'll yeah look into it more we've got plenty of plenty of time to nitpick the the current roster and how we could improve it between now and the uh start training camp so um i think that'll that'll do it for this week but thanks all for for tuning in and we'll uh we'll be back next week uh, until what, then what would you um i would give it a i would give it a C plus B minus. I give it a straight eighty, right in between. You said you'd give it a C minus, right? Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah, I, I'd give it a B minus. Um, still, I you know, probably the lowest I've been on a draft since you know twenty. 2019 with Tristan Hill, but you know, there's really only those three picks that I really hated and I thought were, were big reaches. Every, everything else I thought was an all right value. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd give it a B minus. But but like I said, I think Calvin Joseph is going to be the the um, the one that swings it the most in terms of. Whether it actually is a a great draft or whether it was a a dud, I don't think. I don't dead. think he'll. Be, I don't think he'll be starting. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, he's a guy that I I would love that pick. I mean, I I wouldn't love it, but but it would. I would feel a lot better if we brought in a free agent. That's that's the bottom line because he is a guy that maybe has the highest upside of any any cornerback in this draft. But, you know, I was so high on Patrick Sertan because we need a high floor guy because we yeah. 
haven't brought in a free agent and we probably won't. Um, so in that regard, I, I don't think, I don't feel great about, about him, but yeah, if you had brought in, if you told me next week, we're going to bring in Richard Sherman, then I, then I love it because then he can sit behind him and learn the game and learn how to be a professional. And, you know, he certainly has the, the talent to be, you know, a, 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 an excellent cornerback. Um, but I don't think he's ready day one. And I think, you know, he's a guy that he could go, his range of outcome is one of the, the widest of anyone in the draft, certainly the widest of any of the guys that we drafted, in my opinion. So we'll see how, see how it goes with Kelvin Joseph, also known as Boss Man Fat. That is his yeah. rap name. So, um, yeah. We'll have a lot more to talk about, I'm sure, with, with him and, and the other drafts, draft picks. But, um, yeah, until next week, we'll, uh, we'll sign off for this episode.